All right, so we have been in Galatians the past couple of weeks, uh, and, and a lot of Galatians is about rule following. Uh, some of y'all are rule followers. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Thank you, Rachel, for raising your hand. Who in here likes to color inside the lines? A lot of people, right? I'm an inside the line colorer myself. I have been since birth. I came out of the womb. I knew to color inside the lines. It's just what the way it worked, you know. It's just what you do. There's lines inside them. Outside is sin. You know what I mean? Like you color inside the lines. That's what you're supposed to do. Do I have anybody in here that actually intentionally colors outside the lines? I knew there were some of y'all. I knew you were out there. Brett, I knew you were one of them, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, yeah, some of you guys are absolutely just uh, uh, totally against the rules. You're like, look, rules are meant to be broken, right? Like, that's the reason rules were created, right? So there would be exceptions to rules, right? So that's the reason that we have rules, so that there would be exceptions to them. And some of y'all are indeed the exception to the rule. I can assure you that I've recognized that about you. You are indeed the exception to the rule. Um, for us rule followers... Uh, uh, are you um, in your little circle of friends? Are you the one that keeps everybody in check? They call you the mama or the dad of the group. You know what I mean? Like, like you're the rule follower, and uh, and it's not easy being the rule follower in the little circle of friends. Um, it's hard for you to be the one to to keep everybody else in check, but you do it just because that's so much your nature that you can't stand not to do it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like some of y'all are that person in your group. You're the person that keeps everybody else from getting arrested. Am I right? Yeah. Like, you know what I'm talking about. Like, like, that's the reason that you're in the group, you're the mom or the dad in the group, and your job is to keep everybody else from getting arrested. So, good job to you folks. Um, I, I don't really know if I'm, if I'm in that category or not. I know I'm inside the, the lines colorer, but I don't know if I'm like in my little circle of friends, if I'm the rule follower that keeps everybody else out of trouble. Uh, I think that I am sometimes, and sometimes I'm not. So, anyway, uh, we don't have to talk about that in detail. I confess my sins to the Lord, not to you. So... Uh, we will, uh, I'll deal with that on a personal level. So, but, um, you know how difficult it is for you to, I mean, for you super duper rule followers, um, how difficult it is for you to change from going from being a rule follower to all of a sudden I'm just, yeah, just willy nilly, whatever goes, I'm going to go with the flow. I'm not going to worry about everything. I'm not going to be the mom or the dad in the group. I'm just going to just like let it go. It's like, it would be easier for you to walk on water than do that. Am I right? You know, like, like, that would be so difficult for you to do, to just, like, let everything go and say, it's all good, man. Y'all do what you want to. I'm going to hang out with y'all. And, and look, it doesn't even matter if we all get arrested. It's fine. We're going to just go. We're going to let go. And I'm going to be right there with you. Um, I mean, it is so hard, so hard to become that person if you have always been the rule follower, the mom and the dad in the group. It is so hard for you to change. Well, I want you to know that, that the Jewish people, the people of Israel, in Jesus' day, like, rule following was their culture. Like, that's what they did. They followed rules. They had rules, and they spent every single day following those rules. Um, you know, it, it didn't matter what it was. If it was when they sat down to eat a meal, they had rules to follow. If they walked down the road, they had rules to follow. If they came into somebody's house, they had rules to follow. If they met somebody, they had rules to follow. And it was really just so ingrained in their culture that, you know what, in order to be right with God, you've got to follow a set of rules. 
And you really can't go outside of these rules or else you're going to be in opposition to God. And the people of Israel were known as God's people. So for you to go outside uh, the, the, the rules would mean that you would be going against God. That means that you wouldn't be one of God's people. And it's almost like you're no longer uh, an Israelite anymore. You're, you're like a foreigner to everybody else. If you're all of a sudden, if you're not doing what everybody else is doing. Um, when that happens, when that happens, um, it, it just, you know, in, in, it, for the Israelites, it just felt so wrong to them. Um, they, they, they would behave to the rules because it became like a form of peer pressure almost. Like, you got to do what everybody else is doing. I don't know if any of y'all have ever experienced peer pressure, but I have before. You got a group of people and you're hanging out with them and, and, and you're, you're doing stuff with them, and you like being around these people, and, and, and you, like, you like just being a part of the group. You feel like you fit in. You're not an outsider. You're not an outcast. You got your little clique of folks, and like, man, this is it. This, I feel at home with these people, and, and, and like, all of a sudden, they want to do something that you go, oh, I don't know if I should do that or not, right? And you got that peer pressure coming in. And what does peer pressure look like? Now, you got to understand, adults suffer from this too. It's not just students or young adults. I mean, this is everybody. So you kind of want to fit in and you're like torn. You're like, oh, and you kind of tiptoe over there with them. You know, you're not really sure if that's what you should be doing or not. So you kind of, uh, I want to fit in with everybody. I want to be liked by everybody. I don't want to be the outcast. I don't want to be the weird person. You know, like how, um, I, I don't know what this is about girls. Okay. Like teenage girls, especially you 20 somethings, you're like this a lot too. So don't look at me like, you know, just the teenagers. Yeah. Y'all are terrible. Why is it, I don't get this, I don't understand, as a guy, I don't get it, like you don't want to walk into a place by yourself. Have you ever noticed that? Now, now, adult women are the same way. I mean, now this goes so far as not just walking into a, a party or, or walking into a church service, you got to go to the bathroom together, am I right? Like, like there, there's just a few people in there, but you don't want to go in there by yourself. It's just like, I got to have people with me, y'all got to... We got to be bonded, you know, we got to go together. We cannot be separate when we go to the bathroom. And I'm like, I don't get that as a guy, you know, I, I'm just like, I, I don't, you know how weird it would be if I asked, if I asked Brett, hey, Brett, I got to go to the bathroom. You know what Brett would probably say to me? Sorry, bro. <laughs> Can I get you a cup? You know, I mean, it's. Like, what do you want me to do about that? Be like, no, no. Um, will you go with me? <laughs> You're not going, are you, Brett? That's not happening. <laughs> he's going he's to look at me and go, you okay, man? <laughs> you all right? You feeling good? You know, you been to the doctor lately? You good? You know? I don't understand that. I don't understand about not being a person to walk in by yourself. Keith, do you get that? I don't get that, man. I, like, it feels like, because I, I don't really have any friends, I go into everywhere by myself. So I, I just, it's, it's really weird that, that, that people are like that, but, but they want to fit in. I mean, even when it comes to going into a, maybe it's not even a strange place, maybe just any place at all, they got to go together, you know? They gotta, you got to fit in because if you go in by yourself, here's the risk that you run. You run the risk of not having anybody to talk to. Now, to some of y'all, that's like worse than going to hell. Like, it is terrible to not have anybody to talk to. Am I right? 
Like, like they, they like, how? They, and I get this a lot on youth trips, right? So that's the major thing. Who else is going? That's a question I always get. Like, are there going to be other people going to summer camp? Yes, there will be other people. There will be male and female going to summer camp. You won't be the only one there. I promise you. It won't be just me and you and Keith. We will not be just the only ones there at youth camp. I promise you, other people are going. And they're like, okay, so, so who's going? I'm like, well, I don't know, actually. And that, they're like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? And that's like the kiss of death. Like, they're, okay, it's one of those trips, you know, like, yeah. Um, there's probably not going to be any cool people there. It's going to be all the, the leftovers or whatever. People don't have any friends. They're the ones that's going to youth camp. So it's just going to be me and then all these weird people, right? Well, you know what? You could be that weird person. I'm just saying. That could be you. If you're worried about who's going to go with you, that may mean that you don't have enough friends to take with you, which means you already are that weird person, so don't worry about it. You know what I mean? But people, they get so... I, girls, I guess it's just amplified in girls. It's worse in girls. Dudes do it the same way. It's a little different with guys, you know. Um, we, we, like to, we like to hang out together. We like to be a part of a family, you know. And, and, but, but we're different in that we, we know that, that people don't like us, you know what I mean? Like we don't even like each other a lot of times. But, but we're okay with that because we'll duke it out. Like we'll just we'll fight and then we'll go and, and hang out together and play football or watch football or whatever. And it's like it's okay because that's just the kind of the way we're wired. So, so we're kind of okay with it. But at the same time, we do still want to fit in and we don't want to be that weird dude also. But, but you know, we're, we're okay with just all being weird together. But we got to be together, you know. Peer pressure is a real thing. And, and even when it comes to the context of the church and we're talking about in here, um, there, there's like... A lot of churches, and maybe even this one included, man, if, if the pastor says it, it must be the gospel, right? It must be true. If Kenny said it, he's never really led me astray before. If he said it, it must be true. Let me tell you something. You don't need to fall into that trap. Um, you don't ever need to fall into that trap of saying, well, Kenny said so-and-so. You can say, well, Jesus said so-and-so, or the Bible said so-and-so, but I don't want you to get any of your theology from Kenny. Kenny has bad theology. Jesus has good theology. Listen to Jesus. Don't listen to Kenny. Okay, I just said that in a church service. That didn't even make sense, right? But seriously, what I'm saying is this, is that you have to make the standard the word of God. Not what I say, not, not, not me, but you have to make it the word of God. You have to say what Jesus says goes, and if Kenny teaches us something contrary to that, I need to call him out on it. Or even if... Kenny does something contrary to that, I need to call him out on that because it's not okay. It's contrary to the gospel. And we're going to see a situation where, where Paul has to call Peter out on something. And that's where we are in uh, Galatians chapter 2. Probably says your little tagline there, Paul confronts Peter. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. Now, Peter, uh, or, or Paul has, has um, set up this church. You know, they're, they're, things are rocking and rolling in Galatia and they've got to they got a church that's mostly comprised of Gentiles. Uh, it's not really a lot, a lot of Jews, but there are some, as there were in, in many of the churches. But, but mostly these are Gentiles. So Gentiles are people that are not Jewish. Okay? They're from other places. They didn't adhere to the laws of the Jewish people. They're just other people, right? So they're hanging out, and they're Christians now. And they got teachers. And uh, let's look and see what happens in uh, Galatians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. It says, But when Peter came to Antioch, 
I had to oppose him to his face. Now, this, now, you know, Paul was kind of like a short, scrawny guy a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you've ever seen the pictures of Paul based on his descriptions of himself, but he, he wasn't like this big, super-duper masculine guy. And we always picture Peter as kind of being a little bit of a bigger dude, right? Like, you know, he's a fisherman. He's probably got them old calloused hands, you know what I'm talking about? Like, he, dragging in the nets. You know, he's probably a pretty substantial guy. And, and here we have Pete, uh, Peter being called out by Paul to his face. He says, when I first, he said, for what he did was very wrong. Now, I think it's very interesting to notice in this passage. It says, for what he did was very wrong. Now, I've, I've read this passage. I've heard this passage preached many times. And I don't know that we really point out the fact that it wasn't necessarily that Peter was teaching something wrong from the pulpit or teaching something wrong to the people in the church, but it is what he did. Not what he said, but what he did. Have you ever heard the, 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 the saying that your actions speak louder than your words? Absolutely. Isn't that true? By the way, in case you didn't know, your actions really speak a lot about you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I need to say that. I know that everybody's like, oh, Kenny, we know that. We know that. But you got to understand how much people are looking at you as a Christ follower, what they're, what they're seeing in you and how that reflects Christ. They're looking at what you do because you know what? They know that what you do is going to be actually uh, what you really believe because you can say a lot of stuff, but words are cheap. Am I right? Words are very cheap. You can say whatever you want to, but it's what you do to back it up. That's what counts. And here, I want you to notice that, that that Paul is calling Peter out, on, not on something that he was preaching or teaching or saying. It was what he did is what we're talking about today. What he did was in contradiction to what they know to be true about Christ. So let's go on to see what it says here. So when I first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some... Friends of James came. Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy. Even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So here we got these guys. They're coming from Jerusalem, and they're 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 like they're coming in, and they're 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 really devout Jews, right? They're really strong Jewish people, and, and uh, you remember what I said about their culture. Their culture was supposed to be one of rule following. Well, the rules were that you weren't supposed to eat, to hang out with, uh, to, to be around, to be in the same room with a Gentile if you were a Jew. You, you, you can't do that. Like, you are supposed to oppose them so greatly that you can't be around them in any way, shape, form, or fashion. You just got to be away from the Gentiles. The people that are not Jewish, you got to stay away from them. Completely stay away from them. Well, what's Peter doing here? So Peter understands the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And... and, and he understands that there is no longer Jew or Gentile, man. There is just one, and that is a free person who is free from the law, and that is a Christian, a Christ follower. 
And, and, and he says, that at one point in time, you, you guys were, were hanging out with the Gentiles. You were doing everything because you knew you were free in Christ, that there was no longer this dif- differentiation between who is a circumcised person and who is not circumcised. The circumcision was just an indication of your Jewish heritage. There was no difference between the two, and you're good with that, and you're hanging out together. And then all of a sudden, what happens? Peer pressure walks through the door, doesn't it? Peer pressure. Now, because... It's so interesting to me. In the right situations, you know, when when we're, I think it's interesting. I guess is that that um, that we're around a bunch of Christians. We can act, act one way, and then all of a sudden, some other folks come in and infiltrate that group, and all of a sudden, we stop acting like Christians. You ever experienced that in your life? Been hanging around with a bunch of people who think and believe and. And they live their life the way you do and in, in, in tune with the Holy Spirit and following Jesus. And all of a sudden, somebody comes in who seemingly has authority and all of a sudden everything changes. Why is it that we give so, other people so much control in our lives? Why is it we're so afraid of, of somebody coming in and, and us, all of a sudden the, 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 the surroundings have changed and all of a sudden everything's different because somebody else has kind of come in and now all of a sudden we want to change as a result and we want to fit it. Why do we give people that kind of control over our lives? Why do we allow people to have that kind of influence on us? You know who's supposed to have the major influence on our lives? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, his truth, his gospel, his way, like that is what's supposed to have the greatest influence in our life. But because of our fear of man, because of our fear of not fitting in, because of peer pressure, whatever you want to call it, all of a sudden these other people have this amazing influence on us and we almost turn our back to the truth just so we can fit in. And here Peter is falling into that trap. You say, well, I'm... I'm a strong Christian, man. I, you know, I'm, I'm good. That's not going to happen to me. I'm, I'm, really, I'm not going to fall into that trap of peer pressure. Jesus is number one in my life, bro. Don't you worry about me. I'm in. <laughs> this is a guy who saw the resurrected Jesus. This, this is a guy who had a conversation with Jesus about whether or not he loved him or not. After he had denied him, by the way, and all of a sudden Jesus is saying, go get my disciples and Peter, and, and he also has this conversation with him later on, and, and like Paul's, uh, Peter's like, I'm all in, Jesus, I'm all in, I'm all in love with you, I'm going to do whatever you say, and he knows the truth. And what happens? These people that come in that, have, that seemingly have authority come in, and all of a sudden Peter's ways just kind of change a little bit. Not a drastic change, but just... A little bit of a change. He, he stops doing what he used to do. Now, I personally have experienced this. I, I have sat in some meetings before with some people that seem to have it all together spiritually, which, by the way, I realized more, more and more as time went on that, that they should really spend a lot more time reading the Bible instead of talking about it. They needed to spend a whole lot more time reading it for themselves as opposed to letting somebody else read it for them. But I found, I found myself in this situation before. People that were in places of authority. And you sit down with them at a giant table with them. And they all start to say one thing. And you're like, you're looking around going, am I the only one that doesn't feel right about this? Am I the only one that, that, that's going to say something? This is not okay? This is not what the Bible actually says? That you're just taking something that doesn't mean that and you're making it say something else? Am I the only one that feels this way? And you get a little hesitant. I, I, I mean, I've been there. 
I've been there where you're, you're so hesitant to say anything because there's all these people that seem to have authority and they all seem to have it together. And you're like, oh, am I going to be the only one that says something? Is that okay? Is that okay? I can tell you for me um, what happened was is it had to get to a point, number one, where I was so convicted I could not stand it that the truth of God just like just overwhelmed me. Like you cannot continue to, to just go along with what everybody else says. And then you have to pick your heels to die on. You know, we've talked about that in here too. And, and there were some times where I said, no, this ain't right. This is not okay the way we're doing things. This is not in accordance with what God says that we're supposed to do. And man, let me tell you, standing up to that is so hard. It's so incredibly hard. And some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. It's difficult to stand up and go, no, look, I know what this book says. And it does not say to do it this way. And, and I've been there. I know how hard that is. And what, is, what does Paul do? Paul comes in. And he says, Peter, what you're doing is not Okay. You've been influenced by all these people from the outside. You're letting them take control in your life when Jesus Christ is really the one that's supposed to be in control of your life. And he does it publicly. He said, I called him out to his face in front of everybody else. I called him out and said, this is not okay. Because why did he do that in public? Because what happened was he was doing all these other things in public. So the public had to see that what he was doing was not right. That other people had to see that this was not okay. So he calls him out in public and says, this is not okay. He says, when I saw that they were not following the, the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, in front of all the others, listen to what he says, in front of everybody else, he does this publicly. Since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like the Gentile, why are you trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? And, and like... Peter's probably going, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? I'm not making him do anything. We, we, hadn't, we hadn't said anything about circumcision. We, I, why, why? And you know, you know what Paul's saying here? He's saying, look, your actions are speaking a whole heck of a lot more than your words. And, and you're trying to force these people into the Jewish ways, the Jewish traditions, the Jewish laws, and they're Gentiles, and there's no need for that if they're going to be in the family of God. And Paul calls him out. And he goes on to say, you and I are Jews by birth. Now, this gets a little bit confusing. I want to explain it to you in just a second, so hang with me. You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made, with, with God, made right with God by obeying the law. So he says, he says, look, man, I'm like, Peter, come on, man. You know better than this. This is what he says. He says, you and I were like Jews from birth. We're not sinners like the Gentiles. Now, we, he's, obviously, he's not talking about the Gentiles necessarily being any worse off than they are. He's not pointing them out, those are sinners. We're not. He's talking about the restraints in their life. That they understood in the Jewish tradition that they were to live by the law. Well, the Gentiles didn't have that law. They didn't have any restraints on them. Therefore, they just did whatever. They felt whatever. They worshipped whoever. But the Jews, they kind of knew better because they had the law. 
And here he is saying, saying that there's, yes, there's a difference between the two, but you understand. You understand, Peter, that, that now that the law is not what mattered most. Christ Jesus is what mattered the most. It's not, not the law. We understood the law and it, it showed us things, but that's not what mattered most. And you're teaching these Gentiles that the law is what mattered most. You're getting them confused. And it's not okay. Can I tell you that there's some churches out there that are teaching something that aren't true? You know that? Like there's churches that are meeting today on Sunday morning, right at this time, and they're teaching stuff that's not true. It's not in accordance with what God's word says. Now, I, I know that we all follow the same God, we all have the same Holy Spirit, and I got that. But man, there is a corruption that can come into the church, and there can be a false truth that works its way into the church for a number of reasons. One of those may be peer pressure. You say, well, so-and-so said it. He's the pastor. The leadership said it. They're, they're the ones that are in leadership roles, so it must be okay. It must be right. You know, there, there's a lot of times when I know that I sound like I'm very much against certain things and certain traditions, and that's true. I am. Um, I, I don't believe deacons in a church should act like elders. You know why? Because elders are different than deacons in the Bible. And we should do what the Bible says. And there were times in my life where I went, why did we do this when that's not what God's word says? And they're, well, well, this is kind of the way we've always done it. Well, that's not okay. That's not a good answer. And, and even things like how we dress. Okay. Oh, here we go. Can you go get on to how you dress and all this kind of stuff, right? Here we go. We've got to hear this again. Yeah, you do. Sorry. Suck it up. You'll deal with it. Think about that reflection, how that reflects on the family of God. I can't tell you how many times I talked to somebody in Haiti when they said that, you know what, I can't become a Christian because I don't have the right clothes. I don't have the right clothes to be able to go to church on Sunday. And I'm like, that is one of those subtle things that is working its way into the church, even in the to church in Haiti where they don't have much at all. They're struggling for food and, and this idea that you got to dress a certain way and look a certain way for you to go to church and be in, in, a, in a body of believers, be in a family where we worship and praise Jesus and talk about his word, that, that you can't do that unless you dress a certain way. And there, that has infiltrated the church. And I do not think it's okay. I understand that there's different strokes for different folks and different people go to different churches because they like different stuff. But when it stands in the way of the gospel, when it becomes a problem in the fact that people are not coming to the gospel because of whatever traditions you've got in place, you really need to evaluate those traditions and see if they're of God or if they're of man. You see, I, I, I'm bothered by the fact that there are people that if you talk to them, if they're homeless and on the streets and you say, well, come into my place and you can come and worship with us, that people will look at them because they stink and they're sitting in the pews. That's not okay. It's not okay. Those people need the gospel just as much as any of us. And when tradition starts to take over and we, we become so overwhelmed by all this other stuff that we think we're supposed to do and it gets away from God's word and all of a sudden it becomes the major and God's word becomes the minor, then we've got a problem. Then we've got a huge problem. I mean, if you think about it, like, what's the big deal about Peter not sitting down with the Gentiles to have a meal? It's just where he's hanging out to have his meal. Maybe he wouldn't hang out with the other guys for a little while. 
Maybe you want to hang out with the guys that, that, that came from Jerusalem and they're, they're just wanting to be there, you know, and, and maybe you just want to hang out with them. No. Paul said that's not okay. You're giving an appearance to these people. The Jews have to hang out with Jews and Gentiles have to be set on their own and, and be set apart. And what you're doing is not okay. And he calls him out publicly. Can you imagine? Now, Peter's probably used to being called out publicly, you know, by now. He, he's done a few things that are in opposition of Jesus. You know, he said he would do this, but it turns out he denied Jesus. And so, like, Paul's got to correct him. He said, you're going back to your old ways, man. You're going back to the way you used to be. Don't do, don't do that. Don't do that. Some of these things that we think are not such big deals, when you start talking to people about the gospel, you'll realize that some of these traditions that we've got in place are actually a pretty big deal to them. And they're pretty, pretty heavy in opposition to the gospel. It's, it's keeping them away from the gospel in a lot of ways. You have to be careful. You have to be careful. Not just in what you say, but the subtle things in what you do. And this is exactly... What Paul is saying here. Listen how far he goes. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ. And then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. What would, what would mean Christ has led us to do? To let us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, yeah, I am a sinner. If I rebuild the old system, the law, I already tore down. For I was, for I, when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So, so I, lie, I died to the law. I stopped trying to, to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless for if keeping the law has made us right with God, then there is no need for Christ to die. How powerful is that? He says, if it was just, if it was the law that saved you, if it was the law that man, you would be in such trouble. If it was, I mean, if Christ actually, actually died and said, you know what you need on top of Christ dying in order for you to be right with God, what you need is to follow the law, then that means Christ is leading you into sin. That, mean, that means Christ is, because he died and he says, you know what, I am, I am the one that has paid the price for your sin, but you still got to keep the, the laws, the old ways. Then he said, then that would just be leading us into sin. By trusting in Christ and not focusing on the laws, that would be leading us into sin. But Christ hasn't done that. Christ has died completely for your sin. It is your faith in him that is what matters the most. And this is what he says. He says, he says man, I have died to that old way of life, Peter. Peter, that old way of living, the law, man, being so tied to the law. Man, it was like death. It was like death being tied to that law. Because there was nothing I could do to be right enough with God. Every time, I mean, like, I was straining every day to uphold all these little laws. And, man, I just kept falling short. All I could do was just keep falling short and realizing how far I was from God. Because there was nothing I could do to ever do all the laws the right way. When I looked at the law, it condemned me, man. It just felt like death. He said, but then, then Christ died. And the game changed. Everything changed. 
He said, you know what? That old way, that old self that was so obedient to the law and cared all about the law, that person died. That person died. I mean, that's a pretty drastic picture of a, of a life change, isn't it? To, to die to something. And then you become alive in Christ is what he says. So I want you to understand the deep contrast that he's showing between being, being in the law and, and being in Christ. And he's showing that there's a different, it's so different that it's like life and death, man. It's just, it's completely different. Peter, you're supposed to be a representation of that difference. What you do matters because you are an ambassador of Christ, because you say that Christ lives within you. It is so important that you show that there is no difference between you and these Gentiles. Now, I got pretty heavy um, on Wednesday night talking about how some people have never hugged a homeless person. And you say, wow, in order to be right with Jesus, I got to go hug a homeless person? No. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that you should be so focused on the gospel that you should be willing to and wanting to and being an ambassador of Christ in such a way that you show that there's no difference between you and a homeless person. That there is still a lot of that going on in this world, which is so, so upsetting. You will see people go and, and, and eat, go to the soup kitchen or whatever, and, and they'll dress really nice and and nobody will ever approach them because they're like, I can't approach that person. They're dressed way too nice. Look at me. Look at them. I don't fit in there. And then, and then even, I've seen this happen before. The person's dressed really nice going up to a homeless person trying to connect with them, trying to say, hey, look, I can identify with you because you know what? We're just people, me and you. We're both just people. And it makes no difference. And, and you start to convey the gospel to them. Not only by your words, but by your actions, what you do, how you dress, how you represent Christ. You have to show them that there's no difference between you and them. That their sin is not somehow worse than, than yours somehow. That they're not somehow so different that they can never belong and be a part of the family of God. Your actions, the way you act, the way you behave, the way you dress, all the things that you do is supposed to represent this unity that comes through Christ Jesus. And, and you, you know what it's supposed to be? It's supposed to be like this. It doesn't matter what I'm wearing. It doesn't, doesn't matter at all what I'm wearing. I will say this. There are some people that can wear a three-piece suit and go up to a homeless person and connect with them and love them and wrap their arms around them and then be receptive to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've seen that happen too. But let me tell you something. I believe that it's a lot more difficult to start that way. It's a lot more difficult starting point. you got to do a lot more convincing of them that they are just like you. So why not break down those barriers, bring them a little lower so that we can kind of already start on a, on, a, on a field that is a little bit closer to where they are. That's the reason we do things the way we do it here at Simple Church. And we don't really care if you wear gym shorts or uh, three-piece suits. I mean, we just don't care, okay? So that's not the main thing. The main thing is that we want to be able to connect with people through Jesus Christ and show them the love of Christ. And when people come into this place, they, they, they don't all immediately go, well, I don't fit in in that place. We bring our level down a little bit so we kind of meet them more on where they are for the purposes of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do. 
Am I putting you down because you have slacks on, a button-up, a tie, a three-piece suit? No, not at all. What I'm saying, though, is that, that you, you are making it tougher on yourself to connect with those people that are on a different level. That are on a different level. Now, some people, some people need to be connected with it. Maybe they dress nice, you know. Maybe they do. And, and they respond well to a person in a three-piece suit because they got a three-piece suit on. That's a good thing. I, I'm tickled to death about that. And you should do that. But what I'm saying is this, is that, man, there's a ton of people out there doing that. Let's be a little bit different and, and, and let's lower our level just a little bit so we can connect with those people that don't fit in in all those other groups. You know what I mean? That God has called every single one of us, every single church to reach a different people group, a different group of people that can identify and connect and all that. And that, that's, that's why God created us, I believe. And so that, you know, when we go to the soup kitchen and work and we, we don't really care about how we dress, man. We, we, we want to start off on a closer place with them so that we can truly connect with them and share the gospel with them. And those are the people that God, I believe God has called us to connect with. You know, there have been times in my life where I've thought about how I dress. I thought about, you know, is it okay for me to dress this way? Is it okay for me to be in this certain group of people? Is it okay for me to, to not speak up and, and to do all those things. Is it okay? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. The problem is, the problem is it, it becomes a way of life for you. It's not a one-off kind of thing. It's not an exception to the rule. It becomes the rule. And then when it becomes the rule, it's not okay. You know what I mean? Because there's, there's times when we can get so wrapped up in the way we've done things all, all the time, the way other people are doing stuff all the time, that, that all of a sudden it becomes about that and not about the gospel. Well, I want you to know this. Christ died for you. Christ died for you. That's the message that we're supposed to convey. That's the message that Paul wanted to convey. That's the message that he wanted the Gentiles to not only receive one time, but for them to live their lives as a result of this gospel truth that, man, we're not different. We're all alike. We're a part of the same family now. It doesn't matter what our heritage looks like. It doesn't matter what our physical bodies look like. What matters is Jesus Christ. And that's why we die to ourselves, and now it is Christ that lives within us. It's for that purpose so people can see that. My question is for you today, is, is, there, is that what people see in you? Is that the primary thing that people see in you? That Jesus Christ is number one in your life? Or are, the, are these pressures, these outside pressures, maybe it's your family, maybe it's your mom and dad, I don't know. But they, they, you're kind of pressured into looking and acting a certain way, and all of a sudden that becomes to take precedence in your life and then Jesus Christ is like he's in there but he's not at the top anymore maybe there, there, there's, there's a school you go to or, 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 or the friends you hang around maybe it's not your family maybe it's your friends and, and all of a sudden you're so worried about fitting in with them that you're not really as willing to represent Jesus Christ in your life and he kind of comes in a little bit lower he's still there but he's just a little bit lower 
maybe in your job, in your workplace, you got people that act and, and do some things, you go, man, that's not right. It's not okay the way they do things, the things they say, the jokes they tell. And, and all of a sudden, before long, they're up here and Jesus is down here just a little bit lower. Maybe there's certain actions you've taken in your life, certain things that you've done, certain sins that have creeped in, and all of a sudden they're up here and Jesus Christ is down here. He died so that you can die. So that you can die to your old self, your old ways, and so that this can be flip-flopped. And all of a sudden Jesus Christ becomes number one in your life. See, I want you to understand that he recognizes all of that stuff. He knows that it happens. He knows that it comes in. And, and he sent Paul there to correct Peter. And we're reading this story some 2,000 years later so that God can show you the very same thing. He can show you what has taken prominence in your life. He can show you if something else has creeped in and Jesus Christ is not number one. It's so important. It's so important because everybody's looking at us, y'all. With a Christ follower, they're looking at you. They're saying, all right, are they different than everybody else? Are they standing out? Are they looking different or do they look like everybody else? Let me ask you, is that the case for you? Are you a Christian? Are you a Christ follower? You know, Jesus is not number one in your life because you never confess that he's number one in your life. And you're still dead and you're still separated from him. You know that, that, that Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. He said, you know, and Nicodemus was a Pharisee that was always tied to the law. He just lived his life tied. They were so, so tied to the law. They were so legalistic in every single thing that they did. They kept trying to be right with God by every single law that they followed. And, and man, that's just how they prided themselves. And what did Jesus say to Nicodemus? He said, man, you're born of the flesh. You've got to be born of the spirit. You've got to be reborn. He's like... You got to go back to the beginning. You got to go back and start all over, man. Let me tell you, starting over ain't easy. But what, what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus is it's not something that you can do like you've always been used to, it's something that only God can do. And that's how they get flip flopped. That's how they get turned on his head, is because God does it. We confess it, and God does it. So today, maybe there's something you need to come confess. Maybe there's something you need to talk to God about. Maybe Jesus doesn't have prominence in your life. Maybe you're not a Christ follower and you just need to talk to God about it. And ask God to rescue you and save you from yourself. Let me tell you, if you're trying to fix it yourself, you're not going to. It has to be a work of God. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for this precious word. Thank you, God, for the truth that I cannot follow the law enough to be made righteous. I cannot follow the law enough to be made right with God. I, I, I thank you for that truth because I never could. I could never do that. It has to be something that only you could do. And you did it. You did it through your son, Christ Jesus. I praise you for that. Lord, we, we could never do enough. That's evident in our lives every single day. We try to change ourselves. We try to make things okay. We try to make it all right. We can never do it. We always fall short, but... We see the picture of your gospel, which is good news. And we don't need to stray from that good news that it is not something that we could do. It is only something that God can do. God, if we slip back into that, if we let peer pressure slip back in so that, that other things are taking prominence in our life and it's not obvious that Christ Jesus is who has prominence in our life, 
pray that we would repent of that. I pray that you would just do a great work in our hearts, God, and we'd come to you and, and we would repent and say, God, I need you to continue to show me these things in my life so that I might be closer to you and I might represent the gospel every single place that I go. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would move, that your Holy Spirit would speak to people's lives right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, the one who does it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone stand?